as we looked at some characters in discipleship, I want to thank Pastor Scott and, and uh, Andrew and uh, thanking Claudette for the last three weeks that they've been sharing the word. What strikes me about the disciple Philip is that who you're closest to is who you reflect. And his question to Jesus unlocks a truth that you know, but a truth that I believe is important for us to be reminded of and indeed deepen in. Uh, would you turn with me to John chapter 14, if you will, and we'll read from verse 7 through 14, and then I'll highlight just a few uh, later verses as well. But John chapter 14, as Claudette pointed out, Thomas asked a question, and then one of the most famous scriptures, I am the way, the truth, and the life, comes out of it. And then we pick up the story of Jesus' answer there, and then Philip's question. It says this, if you really knew me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been amongst you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? This is a radical statement by Jesus, something that Jewish people would find almost inconceivable that the great high God Jehovah could be in a human person. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. We are so used to this concept. I don't sometimes think we know how radical this was in the ears of Philip and the other listeners. Believe me when I say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I say and I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. What a true leader to say, I release you beyond me. I'm releasing you. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And, and actually in our Bibles there's often a paragraph break here. But then Jesus then springboards into this incredible teaching about us having the Holy Spirit in us. He says in... Uh, Verse 17, the spirit of truth, the world can't accept him because it neither knows him, sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he will be with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And verse 20 says, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father, you are in me and I am in you. Philip's question 
unlocks something that they never believed they could hear that God himself would live in them. I want to ask you today a question. Who are you reflecting? I I don't know who you're closest to is the one you probably reflect. I don't know about you, but do you have a look-alike, a famous person? Do people ever say to you, oh, you look like such and such? Let me show you some of my look-alikes growing up. Now, in the 1970s, in the early 60s and 70s when I was a child, we didn't watch cartoons, we had puppets. And my first look-alike was Joe Ninety. Now, some of you have never introduced this character. He's a huge character in the 19, early 70s and 60s, Joe Ninety. Can you see the resemblance already? In fact, it was my nickname at school. They used to say, oh, here comes Joe Ninety. Don't worry, I'm healed from it now. I'm, you know, it's fine. I've been healed. And then a little bit later on, when digital cartoons came on, here's my other lookalike, Mr. Incredible. Now, at that time, I had put loads of weight on, and it was more about my tummy than it was about my looks, but there, there we go. But I have now grown into my third lookalike, which is a very famous film, and uh, you can see that Pixar is <laughs> up. I, I preached in a church in Germany, ICF over there, in, excuse me, in Zurich, and they all they said, oh, look, it's Mr. Up, Mr. Up, Mr. Up. Now, you know, I can live with it, I can live with it. I wonder who your lookalike is. Uh, don't turn to your wife and say, honey, you know that I am a Magnum PI or something like that, I don't know. You know, the great cry of our culture today is to be yourself. Don't try and be anyone else. And in, and in large part, that's good advice. Uh, it's healthy. But what if the real you is sick and trapped? And trapped by family history or history that you haven't escaped from yet? You see, one of the best ideas about being a Christian is that we can be the best version of ourselves. But this is not found in just working on ourselves. This is actually found in becoming like someone, and that someone is Jesus. But actually, you can focus on yourself, but if you will say, I want to become like him, then you will become the best person that you will ever be. It's not that we're trying to escape ourselves or rubbish ourselves, but that we are seeking our deepest self to be redeemed and refined and reformed and changed by the grace of Jesus Christ. Be yourself, but be yourself in Jesus. In fact, Pastor Scott talked about Peter a couple of weeks ago, and Peter's very last words recorded in the scripture read like this, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Those are his last words. We have to grow in the grace of Jesus. So stop working on yourself and start trying to become like someone, and that someone is Jesus. And you'll become the best person you'll ever be. As we glimpse this this question from Philip, And we look through his life. This conversation in the upper room unlocks a real key for our understanding about 
what the real fuel of discipleship is. When I think about Philip, actually, we first see him in chapter 1 of John, and, and actually it says that Jesus is leaving for the next city, and he goes and finds Philip. You know, we often say, I found Jesus, but did you know that Jesus found you? And, and this is the great thing about going to Brazil is that those, those villages that are remote, that the government is abandoned. And by the way, we need to celebrate Pastor Marcelo Albuquerque. He is a real treasure for, for our work here. But those villages that nobody knows, they're going to find them because Jesus wants to find people no matter where they are. And, and Philip didn't have this tremendous kind of, I've sought God. Jesus actually walks out of his way and finds him and says, come and follow me. And another glimpse of, uh, that I see about Philip is during the feeding of the 5,000, you know, he's the one who gives the unhelpful but realistic uh, information that when Jesus says to test him, by the way, and I wonder if you're the sort of disciple who Jesus can test. I, I wonder if Jesus could put you in a situation where you are stretched in your faith beyond your imagination. And, and Jesus is saying, come on, believe me now. I can do more than you can even think. And in this situation of feeding the 5,000, Philip's the one who gives the realistic, efficient, effective advice that says, wow, uh, to feed all these people will take a year's wages. It's not very helpful, Philip, even though it might be accurate. Philip's the one who, when Greeks come to Jesus and say, we would want to see Jesus, they come to Philip and say, can you introduce us? And Philip doesn't really know what to do. And so he finds Andrew, and Andrew and Philip take the Greeks to Jesus. And it's from that moment that Jesus goes to the cross, because now the whole world wants to know him. And it seems to me that Philip is not particularly a superstar. I'm not dumbing him down. But he's, he's kind of ordinary. And I like that, because I think I'm ordinary, as many of us may feel that about us. And that Jesus kind of says... I want to use ordinary people. What I see in Philip is he's just very faithful. He might not be outstanding, but he's faithful and he keeps going. And he represents us that we can identify with him. And if today you're not feeling particularly brilliant as a Christian, understand that your questions could unlock great things in other people's lives. And when he asks this question, he or says this statement, he, he kind of makes the cry of all humans and, and the things that we have said at times. When Philip said, Lord, can you show us the Father? Will you make God real? Is this really going to make sense? He wants certainty, and that's what we often find in ourselves, that we would like, God, is this really right? This question, though, unlocks a real key teaching that I believe Jesus wants you to catch. I believe that we should catch. I believe you already know it, but I believe it's something we need to know deeply. You see, because who you're closest to is who you reflect. If you're closest to the memory of that angry father, that's who you're going to reflect. If you're closest to that smothering mother, that's who you're going to reflect. If you're closest to that regime that held you down, that's, that's what you're going to reflect. 
But what he's going to do is teach us if you're going to be disciples, you have to learn this principle of being in Christ, Christ in you, and you in Christ. But learn it to a very deep level. You see, this connection, and I'm going to use the word fusion. And some of you will be uncomfortable with that word, but I want to push it as far as I can to get you to understand of how much God wants to be a part of your life, is a part of your life. This connection, fusion, causes us to reflect Jesus. I mean, just remind you of Jesus' words. He said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been amongst you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say uh, to you, do I, do, I do not speak from my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing this work. And he's teaching them this principle that you're going to have somebody in you like the Father's in me. This connection and communion is the central fuel of discipleship. That's where actually all of our effort comes from. This connection with Christ where he says, I'm in you. You see, we've got this same principle. Jesus had the Father in him and we've got Christ in, in us. It's a strong fusion in the spirit realm. Now you've heard this that Jesus is in you, but I want to remind you of it and take you deeper in this truth. Paul said it this way. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, teaching to the Colossians, said to them, to, to them, God has chosen and made, made known amongst the Gentiles the glorious riches of a mystery, which is Christ in you. You are in Christ, he said to the, uh, to the Corinthians, and he has become wisdom from God. That is the righteousness, the holiness, and redemption. This idea that Christ is in me and I am in Christ is actually the deepest connection that you'll ever have in your life. And it's from this being in and being, and being inhabited by that we need to live. But can I push it even further? Further than perhaps you might imagine. Would everybody go with me to the Apostle Peter's writings in 2 Peter chapter 1 Verses three and four. Because I'm going to push this truth as far as it can be pushed. Verses three and four of the first chapter of Second Peter read like this. It's an amazing scripture. I can scarcely take it in, in my mind, what God is trying to do. You see, if you think that God just wants to have a little dabble with you today, I want to blow that out of the water. He wants to live in you, be with you, be a part of your life, and you be part of him. And all of our effort should come from that relationship. Listen to what he says. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness, our knowledge of him. Then he pushes it. 
through these, his glory and goodness, he has given us great and precious promises. How many of you believe the promises of God? Not so that you can put them on, a, on your fridge for a little bit of encouragement. Here we go. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That actually something of you is shared in God and something of God is shared in you. That actually there's a fusion there and a connection there that is more strong than we imagine. And then he goes on and said, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. We don't become gods. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. Philip's question unlocks a principle that we need to understand in the spirit. And the principle is this, that God inhabits us and we are put into his realm. And that that fusion is from where all of our effort should flow. It's from this intersharing and overflow of this that we operate. It's the key thing about discipleship that helps us in our relationship with Jesus. That our relationship flowing from the inside to the outside is the important thing. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be like rivers running out of your belly. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. You'll be, I'm in the Father, you're in me, and the Holy Spirit's in you. That actually your whole life is enveloped by the presence of God. And this is what makes Christianity the absolute different, complete different faith in all of the world that God says, I will live in you. Not just among you, and I know we say that. But we operate and do our works from this source. We speak from his authority, not ours. It doesn't mean that discipleship's totally hidden. It doesn't mean that it's just, well, I've got Jesus in me and you can't see it. No, it doesn't work like that. In fact, Jesus said, you may not be able to see this relationship that I have with the Father. If you don't believe that, believe the works that I have uh, been doing. And it's true of us. You may not be able to feel or see the spiritual formation, but Jesus said it this way. He said, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I've appointed you to bear fruit. You see, your fruit's going to come out of this sense of relationship with him, not just a sense, this reality of it. Let's really be clear about disciples and be discipleship. It's about expressing your connection to Jesus in tangible ways. That's what discipleship is. It's, I've got Jesus in me, I'm in Jesus. How I live expresses that relationship. Let's be clear. To be a disciple means you learn more about Jesus. You learn his content, you learn his character, you actually know what he's like. In fact, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. That's what I'm like. Learn what I'm like, and you'll find rest for your souls. You see, to be a disciple means that you act like Jesus and have a ministry. Jesus said, the works I've been doing, you're going to do them. It means that every single one of us will have a ministry. 
You'll be able to do Jesus' works. In fact, he said, you'll even do greater things than I've been doing. It blows my mind. But it all comes from the fact that I'm in him and he is in me. Stop thinking you're just a churchgoer. Stop thinking that you just have an alternate lifestyle with a few principles, A, B, C, or a structure to do this, that, and the other. Start thinking, well, Jesus, you're in me. I'm in you. Let me operate from that. Now, of course, we need schemes and dreams and themes and, and uh, programs. Of course, we do that. It helps us. But it's the basis that we flow from being in him that's important. You see, to be a disciple is to become like Jesus in character. Pastor Scott brought this out with Peter. Jesus said, follow me. Now, later on, he said, obey my commands, and he, he put some instruction. But the first call in our lives is to look at Jesus and say, what's he like? What's his character like? And it's out of the overflow of this that we do things but it's also that overflow that we begin to pray. We cannot look at what Jesus said in verse 12 where he says, ask anything in my name in isolation from this relationship that Jesus is in you and you're in him. We see the principle of me in him and him in me flows through our praying. You see, asking in prayer is from a level of communion. The word, actually, there are two elements to communion, and it's authority and relationship. That's what really communion is. So you've got the authority to be with God. He's given you that. But you've also got the relationship of being with God. I've noticed that some Christians, they're all about authority, and they're very low on relationship. You know, they're claiming stuff, but their relationship with Jesus isn't that close. And then there are other Christians who, they like the intimacy of Jesus, but they never understand the authority that they can ask for things. I wonder if you'll bring that into your prayer life. You see, when we ask something of God, Jesus taught us this, you will ask and it will glorify the Father. Can I ask you, are your prayers... Would they bring glory to the Father through the Son? Is what you're asking for right now coming out of this deep relationship that would bring glory to the Father? Would, would God put his name to your prayers? When I think of God's name, God's name is his character and his authority. And when Jesus said, you may ask for me anything in my name and I'll do it, would God put his name to your prayers? Would he say, I'm okay with that. I'll put my name on it. And, and when, when we begin to look at prayer this way, and we begin to think, you know what, this is this deepening relationship that I have with her, it changes our prayers. So I just want to kind of come into land a bit today by deepening your discipleship connection with Jesus. And you know this, you've been taught this, that Christ is in you. And, but I want you to awaken this kind of awareness in you again today. Philip does us a great favor by asking, show us the Father. Because it's from that that Christ can teach the principle of who you are close to is who you reflect. Who you are close to 
is what you reflect. If you're close to Christ, you'll reflect him. He teaches us that in our connection and life in God is much deeper than we realize. Shockingly, he says, the Father's in me and I'm in him. And then shockingly, he says, and you're in me and I'm in the Father and we're in you. It's much deeper than you realize. God is desperate to be with you, but not in a, in a desperation way, in a love way where he says, I want to live with those people. I choose them. You see, we, tr- we all struggle with prayers that are not answered. But one of the keys to prayer is to deepen our communion with God And then we begin to hear his heartbeat. But I tell you this, God is listening to every heartbeat that you have. I've been looking at some of Pete Gregg's stuff and he shapes some of his stuff around Lecto Diverna. And I wanted to kind of just share, just to close, just a practical way you can deepen your prayers in order to just express this communion using the word pray, P-R-A-Y. Slow down. P, pause. Pause your prayers. Prepare your heart. The psalmist says this, open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things in your law. Slow down. James says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Slow it down. Pause. Oh, you've got to read the Bible Slowly and reflectively and begin to say, what are you saying, Lord, in this? Somebody said it this way. If you read the Bible quickly, it will benefit you little. It will be like a bee that merely skims over the surface of a flower. Plunge deeply within and remove deeper nectar. It's no wonder that Jesus said it's our daily bread. It's what we feed off. We're going to begin to read the Bible in a, in a way that where we say, God, this is your very word that's speaking to me. But you know, a lot of the teaching that I hear about prayer is a kind of theology or, a, or an apologetic to say why God doesn't answer prayer. And I want to say to you, A-P-R-A, ask. I believe God wants us to ask. I think that's what the scripture teaches, that we can ask boldly for things, coming out of this deep communion. I ask you, God, for the desires of my heart. It says of the early church that when they heard the things, that they raised their voices boldly and asked God for things. And we can ask God from the security of this Relationship. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. And I want to read something over your life. Would you be comfortable just standing for a few moments? Because I want to just ask you to kind of close your eyes. And I want to read a promise that I believe is for every single person. Because it's really important right now that you understand this connection. You see, you can ask God from the security of this relationship. Deuteronomy 33, verse 12. Why don't you close your eyes? And maybe you could just lift your hand and receive this as a, as a personal word to you from God. This is what God said. Let the beloved of the Lord rest 
secure in him. For he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Let the beloved of the Lord rest securely in him. For he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Just in your mind, I want you to picture Jesus on the cross. And between his shoulders was that cross. You know, right between his shoulders was your life right there. He's paying for you. The last, word, last letter in the word pray. First is pause a little bit. Read deeply. Ask God boldly. Finally, just yield to God. Impressions and peace will come. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, the Bible says. You see, today, let's make discipleship about the overflow of our connection to Jesus. That's the fuel. That's the, that's the heart of it, that Jesus is in you and you are in him. Nobody can take that away from you. And that will direct you to the right actions. 